podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to one of the 10 best English-language Fiorentina podcasts on the internet. Welcome to Viola Station. Welcome back, Viola fans. We are going to start today's cast a little bit differently than usual, and we'll eventually get into Serie A and Fiorentina momentarily. We are going to start today, though, talking a little bit about the atrocities playing out in Europe right now at the hands of an evil piece of uh, For the past 11 days, we have seen the strength of your uh, Ukrainian people doing what four U.S. presidents and all the leaders of European powers before them could not do, completely stifling the monster that is Vladimir Putin. Uh, you know, we, we start today really wanting to send our thoughts, our prayers, our condolences, and our sincerest gratitude to those brave men, women, and children in Ukraine who are genuinely changing the world as we knew it. Uh, while Russia is invading Ukraine, I think it's important to also point out, though, the power of media and, and where that power comes from. Right now, Russia has completely shut off media outside of its own state uh, media and is making it a punishable offense of three to 15 years in jail for those brave people who are still reporting it in Russia and those brave people who are protesting uh, this illegal war. Um, you know, Putin and his cronies making mankind just feel like we continue to, to disappoint, disappoint, disappoint. Um, but watching those brave people over there in Ukraine and Russia fight against him is, is hopefully giving us all a sign of what can be better. I, I know it's a little bit of a somber mood to start it with, uh, a, a little bit more serious than sometimes we like to get into, but it, it has to be said. I think I, I can speak for us all that we stand with those people in Ukraine, with those people in Russia who are against this and who are going to be fighting back, whether it is with weapons, with words, or with protests and signs. Um, our, our thoughts, our prayers, and, and our sincerest, uh, sincerest best wishes are with them all. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really well said. I, I could not agree more with you, Mike. Uh, yeah, spot on. And above above everything, you, Vladimir Putin. Yeah, I, I think we can all agree on that. And uh, yeah, now that that's out of the way, holy shit, man. Uh, I mean, I feel like the whole world right now sure could use a drink. What uh, what are you drinking right now? I am just getting back from Mexico, and uh, I drank way too much over there. So I am just still drinking water a couple days in my return. So it'll only be water for me, hydrating this beautiful skin that got <laughs> way too burnt over there. How about I you? I thought you looked a little bit like a, uh, like a well-done lobster there. I was wondering if that was just your camera. <laughs> That's the Irish. That's the Irish. In <laughs> I thought y'all did green, not red. Uh, I did. Uh, I've, I made myself a little uh, boulevardier with some mm. cardamaro and some uh, black walnut bitters because, you know, sometimes I got to be a little bit fancy. You are. And, uh, yeah. And I just got done with my first Sunday league game in like three or four years. And it was against a bunch of people who are like 15 years younger than me. And I feel like I got hit by a Buick. And so I'm treating myself a little bit. 
numbing it a little bit numb that pain oh, have a couple man. of those yeah I, i'm gonna have to i'm uh, probably after this i'm gonna go lie down with an ice pack around <laughs> like my entire lower half and hope that that fixes everything and it probably won't because you know that's what happens when you turn 33 <laughs> and hey speaking of turning 30 something yeah you see how i did that segue there we i like to plan that dang we are we're getting good at this uh, on tuesday the uh, 8th of march uh, Pietro Terracciano turns 32, which is crazy to me that he's younger than me. I never think about that because I still think of him as looking like the world's funnest dad. Uh, he's just, he's just, he just looks like your friend's dad. You're like, man, that guy's so cool. You've got the coolest dad. Not, yeah, I just I just love that he's younger than I am. And it just doesn't it doesn't feel that way to me at all. Not because he's old, just because he's cool. So, yeah, I just want to say happy birthday, Pietro. You're now at that age where everybody that's playing soccer will be younger than you. It's I, This is the only thing that I like about Jose Callejon. Yeah. Having him on the team, he's he's still got like a year or two on me. And like, I do kind of need that. It's part of why I love Franck Ribéry over the past couple of years, too. Uh, yeah, another one, stepping down in age. Uh, Alfred Duncan on Thursday the 10th is turning 29. And I, I feel like we haven't seen as much of him recently uh for the team like over what over the past couple of months you know Yusuf Mal has kind of jumped up the pecking order a little bit but Alfred Duncan is maybe my favorite player on the team right now he's just super cool like his uh I mean not just the stance he's made against racism uh which are, have been like courageous above and beyond fantastic but the fact that he genuinely loves the team and like said that if he got a call up from Ghana to go to AFCON, he would turn it down so that he could stay and help Fiorentina. I mean, that's just the kind of guy he is. He is such a wonderful person and an excellent player, as I think we saw uh, earlier today. And we're so lucky to have him. So happy birthday, Alfred Duncan. Hope it's a good one. I actually think he's the best over the past couple of months. I think he's the second best midfielder that we have on the pitch when he plays. He needs more minutes. I'm, I'm fully with you. I, I love the guy. I mean, I, I want him to play more one just because he's so cool. But two, he's yep. been really effective. Yep. So ha happy birthday, Alfred. And then, because uh, we are having to do some some somber stuff in this podcast. Uh, Friday, the 4th of March, the fourth anniversary of the passing of David Astori. I uh, still can't believe it's been four years. And I mean, we've... We've written about it on the site. Uh, for ones posted about it, we're we've all thought about it. We're all still, I think, just torn up beyond belief thinking about it. I mean, I I teared up uh, writing the writing the anniversary post uh, on Friday. So yeah, just sending best wishes to his family, his uh, his partner, his daughter, and uh, to everyone who feels that. Sempre con moi. You know, I was never a big social media person and uh, I didn't have social media until I met my my now wife, um, you know, four or five years ago, whatever it is. However, you know, going back to Friday and Saturday and even Thursday, you know, building up to this, the, the best thing that I, I took out of this uh, and every year at this time is the personal stories, the pictures um, the memorials that you see on social media, Facebook and, and Twitter and Instagram, um, 
know, you just see the power of, of, of a human being. You know, we, we've talked about the negative side of, of mankind and what's playing out elsewhere. But now you start coming over to, to somebody like Davide, who really did change the way that a community was, uh, the, way, the, the way that a team was, and the way that the interaction between that team and that community was in a time where things were pretty down. Um, the human side of this guy really pulled everybody back together. And I love every year at this time, it's tough remembering his, you know, um, March 4th, it's tough, but, but what plays out is, uh, is really the stories, you know, the, the emotions and, and it allows you to once again, just be part of something decent when I think we're in a time where we need a lot more decency out there. Yeah, that's that's a wonderful point. I think just a, a reminder of like what what sports can do. That we're all connected by this, even even after he's gone. The fact that here we are, sitting three thousand miles away from each other, talking to each other through a computer screen, and out through your speakers about a guy neither one of us ever met, who lived thousands of miles away from us, and and the effect he had on us. I think mean, that's. I mean, you know, you don't want him to leave a legacy when he's that young, but if you have to, that's, I cannot imagine a better or more fitting one. So yeah, David is uh, always, always our captain. Uh, and all right, let's, let's try to, let's try to break out of the, the sad stuff here. And well, we're actually going to have to go back into some sad stuff, although on a very, very different kind of level, I think. Mm-hmm. And we're gonna we're, let's go ahead and get into the Coppa Italia game against uh, against Juventus, and obviously that was a that was a little bit of a a punch in the nards the way that finished. Let's go ahead and be honest here, but uh, and I, I think we have to go ahead and start off and just get this out of the way because it's what everyone was talking. about. was the whole narrative building up to this game, right? Uh, what was it like having him back for you, Mike? Having Dusan Vlaovic back in Florence. You hear the term bittersweet often. Uh, let's just get rid of the word sweet. It, it was bitter. It, it was bitter. Uh, you know, there, there's no no hiding it. Dushan was my favorite player. Uh, I've met him several times. My daughter's met him several times. I mean, it, 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 he was just a, a great person. Uh, but what I think that we could take out of it is that, you know, he is actually a decent guy. While it's going to be tough uh, to watch him in, you know, the the jailhouse kit there. Um, gladly, he's, thankfully, he's not scoring uh, at the record pace he was in, in Florence, you know, so we'll, we'll take a, a little bit of, uh, of joy in that. Um, but, but I think that he is actually what I thought he was, which is a, a decent and, and genuinely good guy. Yeah, I honestly think that as we're seeing a lot of these things play out in the world, we, we should be reminded of the type of people who own his agency yeah. and their motivations, which as we see people being pushed into things that they don't want to do, I keep hearing more and more stories that this wasn't necessarily Dushan's idea uh, along the way. He did want to renew, but that was just told what he could not do. I mean, uh, Dark Aristich had 12 million reasons to uh, descend into Juventus. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. No, I, I think you make a great Tough. point, though, because the the way that he was uh, the first guy to come over and comfort Lorenzo Venuti after that 
after the own goal, uh, yeah. right at the death, I thought showed incredible character and incredible class, which we've we've known that Dushan has. We've brought this up before that he's a, a very mature guy. He's he's not a bad person at all. I think that uh, yeah, I think that narrative probably needs we need to retire that uh, among among us as fans and just acknowledge that he's a very good player and probably not a bad guy at all who uh due to a set of circumstances somewhat be beyond his control not entirely obviously he could have chosen to stay in florence but somewhat beyond his control made a business decision for his own career and that's what it is even though man i sure do hate it I, i'm with you uh I, I think we're trying to find the decency in a situation where no matter what, we're still going to dislike him. Yeah. Um, th that's just a given. Yeah. I've just that, a given. That said, though, uh, the racist chanting oh. in the Franchi, uh, we again, we've written about this on the site. Uh, I can't, uh, we've spoken about it on this podcast before. I cannot condemn that in strong enough terms. Uh, that's bull. There's no place for that in the world, in the game, in Florence. Uh, Anyone who's anyone who's engaging in that kind of behavior, we don't we don't need them. Get out. We don't want you. You 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 tarnish us by your presence. And I think that is how we have to address it, it really too. Do. Is that it's yeah. not it's not a few bad apples, right? Like the way that being a, a fan of a of a of a team works is that you give away part of your individuality to be part of this collective, like to be subsumed into it. And so when the bad parts of that collective, like there are other people who do bad stuff. That isn't just them, it's you as well. And so that kind of racist chanting from Fiorentina fans, that's not, oh, those other guys, that's us. Like that tarnishes us. And we as fans, it is our job to call that out and make sure that shit never happens again. And, you know, this being the world that we live in, we all know it is gonna happen again. It is. But, you know, we, we need to be much better about nipping that in the bud, pulling that out, root and stem. And I I yeah. I am just sorry, I, I'm beyond disgusted by all that shit. And I I can't find any more words to describe that right now. Yeah, listen, I, I think it, you nailed it. And the, the piece that we'll take away from it is that we've said this so many times, but we know that it's going to happen again. Let, let's give credit to Fiorentina. They got ahead of it. They sent out uh, information through all of their channels, ECCBC and, and your favorite ATF. <laughs> um, they, they knew what was going to be coming. Now, we give them credit for, credit for that. If we want to stop it from happening every time Dushan travels into Florence or every time our fans travel up there, we need to start monitoring who's actually making these chants and kick them out for a lifetime. Yeah. That's it. Absolutely. Once, once you kick out five this game, once you kick out 10 that game, and then another eight the next game, people are going to catch on that you can't have these racist chants inside of Florence. You can't have them as a Viola fan. And that's the way that we should have the mindset. We know it's going to happen again. But if Fiorentina did the right thing of sending out the notifications ahead of time, and if they monitored and actually set up people to watch and look for them once they because you heard them, you heard them. Yeah, the chants were, could, were very you audible. Them, you could hear them through the broadcast. So now just go and find those people, identify them, 
stewards take them out and now they're banned for life. That's what has to happen. I don't care if they're the best fans of all time. I don't care if they're the roughest, toughest, you know, loudest singing people. They have to go. Yeah, there's there's no place. For, you're not a good fan if you're a racist. Sorry, you're not. You're, you're just not. You're a bad person. That doesn't mean you're Absolutely. a good fan. You can't be a good Absolutely. fan if you're a bad person. Absolutely. And so let's. All right. I think we've I think we've hammered on that sufficiently. And I mean, hopefully we'll have to hammer it on it again. Yeah. And I can't wait to do it again in six months when some more Fiorentina fans do some stupid shit. God damn it. Okay. Uh, I, I will say that I do want to get uh, a little more positive here uh, from a lot of negativity. And let's go ahead and just also say that Lorenzo Venuti, that own goal, one, not his fault at all. Nothing not he could have done there. Not that's just uh, that's just tremendously unfortunate for him. Yeah. Two, Lorenzo Venuti is about as real as they come. He's yep. been at the club since he was 11 years old. He's come up through the ranks. He's a fan. He went to the games as a kid. This is the club that he loves. I cannot imagine how awful that must have been for him to score like that in probably the biggest game of his career. Yep. In front of all of those fans, probably including a lot of his own family and friends. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't blame him at all for his breaking down in years. Yeah. I mean, that's just that poor guy. And I, I think that, you know, I, I did see on, on social media some initial uh, responses that were pretty toxic about him that were people, you know, talking him down. But I think the fact that so many of his current and former teammates and so many fans in the city have have come out in support of him and said, we love you. I mean, you you heard the chance for him uh, today, today against Hellas Verona. I mean, clearly... Everyone who's got an ounce of sense understands that that's just bad luck and is all the way behind him. And so, yeah, I, I'm cool adding our voice to that chorus, I think. Yeah, again, it, it goes back to, I think, the same systemic issues. And, and certainly we're not getting into some kind of toxic masculinity thing, but more along the lines of just emotional intelligence. What, when did we not, like, Try to teach people emotional intelligence, how to sort through your emotions. And I get it. You know, people are mad in the moment. It's Juve. We're, we're there. We should have won. I mean, several times. I, I actually felt I felt very good about that game. I felt better about that game than I felt about today's game, to be completely honest. For sure. But, yeah. 100%. But it's all about emotional intelligence. That's all. That's all. Yeah. I mean, we were we were messaging back and forth. And, and I think as three people who are genuinely intelligent and, and in touch with their emotions and Aww. not just in touch, like, you know, we want to we want to hold each other and, 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 and cuddle and cry, which is Thanks, fine. Man. Like, listen, if you if you if you want a spoon, I'm all I'm all I'm all for it. You just let me know if I'm the big or little uh, oh, um, big for sure. No doubt. Yeah. I mean, I, I really want to be the big. Um, <laughs> yeah, but our, our immediate <laughs> our immediate reaction was just how we felt absolutely gutted for him the, the guy who does bleed viola like there's no red blood in his body it's all purple the guy who it means more for than anybody else on that team more than than any player any coach the ownership the the like if he wasn't playing he would be in the cuervo cheering on the club but yeah. that's what we're talking about here and, and 
how people just kind of rip into them. Again, those are not fans. I, I, I feel both anger and 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 I feel somewhat Pity. compassion for those people yeah. as well. Like somebody just didn't teach them how to deal with their emotions. And instead of dealing with them in the right way, they're taking them out. In, and I, I guarantee you, they're probably deleting those posts. They're publicly ashamed of, of what they said, what they did. And I'm sure that they would take it back if they could. Hopefully they learned a lesson out of it because, you know, one of the best things we saw was he got back out there today and, and there was a, a show of support for the guy. And that's the way it should always be for somebody who just absolutely lives, breathes, dies, you know, for this club. Yeah, no, 100%. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think we need to talk too much about that first leg. Like, obviously, that was just a, I mean, Fiorentina should have won that. I think we can all agree they didn't. Yeah. I mean, but, you know, what we call doing a Fiorentina around these parts. Uh, I mean, should we even talk about expectations for the second leg? Because it's happening in like 2024 and there's <laughs> going to be so much different by then. Like, you want to just yeah. go ahead and move on past that? I'm, I'm fine with that. We'll have plenty of time to talk yeah, about it. Right, right on, dude. Yeah. Well, hey, let's talk about, uh, well, in that case, you know, let's talk about disappointing games. Uh, how about what happened this morning? <laughs> uh, we're, we're recording this on a, on Sunday, uh, a couple hours after that Hellas Verona game. Uh, you know, definitely disappointing. Uh, well, that, that said, I think there were like, there are some positive takeaways. I mean, the, that first half was woeful. That was one of the worst halves I've seen Fiorentina play this season, I think. But the fact that the team after halftime came out, I mean, the triple switch, I think, helped, even if, you know, 33% of that triple switch was Jose Callejon. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that uh, I think the players really came out after halftime and looked a lot sharper, uh, played much better. I think they were far and away superior in the second half and probably should have won it in that half but i think to me that shows that uh one italiano probably lit into them in the dressing room and really let them have it with reason as he should have uh but the fact that they are able to do that to find that next gear when they need to even if they don't quite shift into it cleanly uh they you know drop the clutch out a little bit there that's encouraging to be because that is that's the kind of thing that really good teams do. So that that is, I think, the positive I'm taking out of this. Do you, did you see anything else that like? So, so I'll, I'll break yeah. it up because I, I think we started the second half off better than the first, but also it didn't last the rest of the game. So, so knowing the script as I will, I, I'm going to save my bad thing, but I'm going to start with the good thing. Excellent. Um, I, I I personally love, and it should have started off this way. I, I don't know why it's not. Uh, there, there, there's just a, a few players that I feel get disrespect on the team, and and Duncan is one. Yep. Um, Duncan playing with Terea, it played very very well. Terea, the first half, not a good game. The second half, playing with Duncan, I think that those guys just, I mean, they're monsters like energy and and nonstop yeah. pace. And, and and they just play well together. I, I thought that those two playing together for the first half of the second half was was very very good. Uh, and then you know we mentioned also you know seeing Benuti getting the the, the ovation that he did. Oh, I that think was, that was just that great. was heartwarming. 
Uh, I, I will say, I feel like Alfred Duncan is better at just playing passes into the feet of a striker who's got a man on his back better than anyone else on the team. Like he's, I, I think that he trusts his forward, no matter who it is to control that ball. Mm-hmm. And no one, no one else does that. And he's, this is something that I've noticed Duncan does has been doing ever since he arrived in Florence is he's got this willingness to play that vertical ball, trust his striker to control it, continue his run. I mean, he's, he's not the most technical player out there, although he's really fun to watch dribble because he's like a bowling ball coated in rubber. He just bounces off of people. But I, I, I really think that kind of verticality, that, that mindset of let's get the ball forward. I think, which he very much developed at Sassuolo, which tactically is what, Italiano wants, I think, a lot mm-hmm. of the time from his midfielders. I really want to see more of him because uh, he he does that well, especially uh, once Arthur Cabral starts playing more. I think that's going to suit Cabral really, really well. And so hopefully, hopefully we can see some more of that. I will say, yeah, let's. All right, let's so, get so, to the. Oh, go and ahead. That's it. So, so, so that's it. I'm I'm going to just jump in here because I know yeah, the bad no, thing's no. coming up next. But, oh, yeah. but, but playing, aren't always coming up next? <laughs> Play, playing off of what you just said, like Duncan's strengths, they're playing to that forward. What the hell happened with the lineup? What the hell happened with the substitution? So the negative thing. Personally, I, I think Italiano is probably the best thing that's happened to this club in a long time. Yes, for sure. How, yes. However, however. I do think that he buys into his genius too much at times. And today I'm going to say was one of those days in looking at the lineup that we put in there and then looking at the substitutions that he made. Let, let's just take a look at a couple things. Why did Akone come off so quick? Because I thought Akone actually had a couple very good moments with the pace and creating some space on that wing. So I'm, I'm actually going to push back a little bit on this. I think because Ikone, this is the third game in a row he started. You remember uh, last week he had to come off because he cramped up. Then he played, I think he was in for uh, almost the full 90 in the midweek. So I can see why you would want to pull him off if you don't think he's fully fit. I, I understand that that makes sense to me in context. I, I, would st- I still want to see him play with Nico Gonzalez for sure. But yeah, I, I think oh, the one that we'll, really we'll to irritated that. me was uh, Ring on Jose Callejon. <laughs> I mean, you'll be shocked to hear. I did not like that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I did think Ricardo Sanara was especially good, but he wasn't terrible. I mean, he had a few decent moments. And I, I think that also, like, I think it was, yeah, the lineup. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm not like. What would you have changed? Who would you have? Uh, who would you in the, in the starting lineup? What would you have changed? I guess is my so, question. I, I know you're saying that Sapinar wasn't awful, um, but this to me is not a game for Sapinar. You know, when you look at Verona, they're wiry, they're they're fast, they're they're quick. To me, that's not a game for him to be playing in. That the pace just was not the right situation for him. And then when you sub him. You saw in Cayon, oh. who, who, who's, you know, like a scarecrow out there. I mean, I don't even know if he moved the whole game. <laughs> oh, um, God. You know, I, I don't have an issue with Piontek. 
you know, but subbing Cabral, like where was Cabral? I don't, I don't, I don't really know yeah, okay, what, what happens fair. there. That's uh, fair. Castro to me again, didn't have a very good game. Oh, really? I, I, thought, he, I thought he was all right. I thought he was all right. No, no, I'm not saying he had a moments. bad game. I didn't, I, he didn't have a bad game. Uh, I didn't think that he had a very good game. Um, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm pushing for Duncan to get more minutes here. So Duncan needs to slot in somewhere, probably for Malay, who who also didn't have a very good mm-hmm. game. I think Malay is, is better coming in on the second half while there's some old yes. tired legs. Yeah, uh, that dude so, is a ball of energy. Yes, yes, and he he changes the dynamic of the game when he comes in. So let let Duncan run around and control the game and and be that veteran savvy presence the first half. Then bring Malay in 65th minute and and let him kind of close it down there. Um you know, I, I think Torea again uh didn't have the best first half, but when Duncan came in, he did much better. I'm I'm also concerned, and I've voiced this several times before. Why is why is Bart not playing? I, I think that Bart is our best goalkeeper. Yes. Not saying anything against Pietro here. Like Pietro had a decent game. Like you know yeah. that the service that he had was there. But I I do think that Bart brings a different presence, a different dynamic, and he also brings a confidence to the rest of the squad that allows them to push up forward yeah. uh, and play a little bit uh, I mean, little I, bit I, harder think, there. I think we all agree that Pietro Terracciano is the best backup goalkeeper yep. in Serie A, hands down. Yep. The problem is he's being used as a starting goalkeeper in Serie A. And like, I what? love the guy. He was Lowest fantastic. Three? Worst three goalkeepers, starting, starting goalkeepers then? Oof. Yeah, I, mm, I don't know. I mean, and like again, Pietro was great today. He made that he made yeah. that save on Lasagna, who, in fairness, is one of the worst finishing forwards I have ever seen in my life. I don't think I've ever seen a striker miss so many chances, except of course against Fiorentina. He's always absolutely incredible. And then for the other what thirty six games of the year, he's just useless. Uh, but I mean that that kick Devachano had, where he claimed that cross ahead of the goal and saw Icone and just leathered it into that space for him to run yep. down it was fantastic fantastic so like i, I love that channel i think he also just brings a lot of great energy to the team but i don't think he's the shot stopper that drunkowski is and i think i mean it's just crazy to me yeah that bard is not in getting more run I, I i hope he comes back i hope he comes back soon to the 11 i mean again that's the thing though that hasn't done anything to lose that job i don't think and i mean if he does, that means that he's going to be making mistakes, and that means we'll probably see Fiorentina drop some points, which I don't really want either. So it's just a, it's a tough situation, man. It's just tough for everyone. Well, we're not you... making the points up though, and that's the issue again. So like, so so let's talk about it. We were doing well in that second half. We had a a point man up top in Piontek, and then we bring in Nico. Yeah, that and was several weird. times we had dead balls. We're crossing in there, and there's nobody to aim for. There's I no mean, big presence in there. I mean, like, credit credit to Nico. He's really good in the air. He he, he jumps like a salmon, but like he's not a real physical presence. And I think when you've got guys like Sotil, who not short. again, not great today, but not terrible. I don't think. And he's but a like, short guy. 
one of the things he's been trying to do recently is really put those crosses into the box. He's been driving right to the uh, edge of the 18 in the wide area, cutting it back onto his right foot, and then trying to curl that. And that should be the Callejon run, except that, you know, Callejon run is an oxymoron at this point. So he needs someone larger to aim for. And Nico, God love him. That's not who he is. That's not his game. Uh, same for Callejon. I mean, you saw him put in a couple of crosses. Uh, a couple of them that were not bad at all. Not bad. Uh, but there's just there's nobody no there. there to, yeah. So, no, I, I agree with you. I think that putting in Nico was a, was a really, really big mistake. I would have much rather seen Saponara stay in. Let's see Sotil play on the right. And then if Nico, again, I think he's not fully, I think he's got a cold right now. So he's just not able to play more than like 15 minutes. Because, I mean, you know, running around when you can't breathe through your nose, I hear is very difficult. Yeah. So like, I'm, I'm fine with that. Use, use him for that last quarter hours and impact sub. But in that case, yeah, make sure that when you pull Piontek, who scored a goal today too, also of a mm-hmm. really high school. He didn't contribute anything else, I don't think, but that goal was yeah. fantastic. Yep. Uh, you might want another striker, and you've got Arthur Cabral right there. And we bought and, one. Yeah. That's just that. I thought that was a really weird decision. I I'm interested to hear how Italiano explains that. And that that does kind of get onto my the the thing that really bothered me about this game here is the fact that Lucas Torreira led the team in shots. And I love Lucas Torreira. He's a mean, like he's he's the he's this tiny little master of shithousery. Like that thing he did on the penalty, where right as Caprari was about to take it, he walked out there and like, no, the ball's not on the right place. And like walked out there and just messed with him. That was magnificent. That was hilarious. I love Lucas Torreira. He's such a little jackass. Yep. And he's our jackass. And I really like that. <laughs> he should not be shooting very often. He particularly should not be shooting the guy who's making those runs into the box as we saw because he missed one that i mean from what four yards out he skied one like unmarked up a kaya home cross and like if you waste a kaya home cross that's a terrible thing to do because it, it's like the planets <laughs> aligning you don't get very many of those he had another one that he put wide he i mean he won a header in the box that he put just wide which was sort of hilarious because like what's that tiny thumb of a man doing winning headers in the box but like we're looking we're looking for more goals from this team right i don't think they're going to come from lucas torreira that needs to be coming from elsewhere and that's i think that's my real concern like who's going to step up and take those shots and i, I think yeah. that that does kind of tie in uh, after the after the Juve game where uh, where jonathan Nicone missed missed a few chances mm-hmm. he put that one up just wide that other one off the post and uh, Italiano discussed in his press conference after that uh, that he needed his wingers to score goals and that Nico and Dicone are not goal scorers for all of their superb talent. And they are both obviously really good players, right? Like let's let's not pretend otherwise, but they're not they're not really goal scorers. I mean, I don't know, man. Like it feels like that's being borne out here because Callejon, not a goal threat, Sotil. Probably not a goal threat. Ikone, love him. Fantastic. Holy smokes, can he not shoot? Nico, kind of the same. Yeah. And I, the, the, Yeah, that press conference, I think, I don't know, man. Do you think that was just Italiano? Was that him trying to challenge his wingers? 
to score more? Or was that just him venting some frustration or like what, what's going on there? I, I think he knows what he has on the wing. I think that he's communicated and, and this isn't even thinking we know, I know going into the window that he communicated exactly what he wanted in the transfer market. Um, there were just budget-friendly opportunities out there that Fiorentina decided to go with. There were players, one, uh, Berardi, who just I never... I was about to ask if we were going to go, okay, yeah, yeah. Who, who just never had his value drop to what Prade felt was reasonable. Uh, those two things playing together. I think you see what you, 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 you have playing out here, which is a frustrated Italiano who really uses his wingers. I mean, like he almost abuses his wingers throughout <laughs> the game, to be quite honest. But he is yeah. looking for goal scoring, especially when he was blindsided by selling Dusan during the, the Mercado. And, and you're right. Unless Sotil is on a breakaway and outpacing the defenders with the ball at his feet, because he does that, he, he has a hard time taking one or two dribbles, getting some space, and, and actually drilling the ball solidly into the net. He he gets a lot of a lot of this going over the net. You're you're thinking about that free kick, aren't you? I'm thinking about all his kicks recently. <laughs> um, and, oh, you know, Akone, Akone, I think, is gonna be better, but he certainly is not settling into Florence yet. He's not setting settling into Fiorentina. And Nico, Nico just is not pinpoint accurate uh he hasn't been he's missed a lot uh, but again he, he's kind of like Sotil he he needs to have the ball at his feet and dribble past players to have some kind of one-on-one yeah. opportunity yeah um you know it, it it does worry me then we have Piontek who's been scoring pretty well but if if he's not scoring you know it goes back to I don't mind the fact that Torre is shooting just the fact that he feels he has to shoot yeah that's or to make those runs part. into the box. Yeah, or to make those runs into the box. That's, that's scary. That's your defensive midfielder who's supposed to be screening the defense. He's popping up in the six-yard box three so, times in that game because there's no offense otherwise. That's where's Castro? Good. Where's Castrovilli? Isn't that Castrovilli's job? I, w- I would like to see him make a lot more of those runs into the box. And so I, I think one of, one of the things I've been really interested in this season is we've heard reports that, uh, that Italiano wants to try a 4-4-2. We've seen him experiment with it a few times late in games, and he's chasing a goal where, where he will push Nico Gonzalez up as a as a second striker and play a four four two with Nico drifting off of Piontek or Cabral or Vlaovic, you know, in the in the before times. And I I think I kind of want to see what happens. You know, you've got wingers who are really good at dribbling, put in some nice passes. Why not play a 4-4-2 and give them an extra target in there to aim for? Because Fiorentina's midfielders are not very good at getting into the box. I mean, Castrovilli, when he decides to, is really good. I mean, remember uh, in, the, in the reverse fixture at, at Hellas Verona earlier this year, scored a fantastic header as the equalizer. When he makes those runs into the box, he's really good. And I'd love to see him do more of that. I don't know why he isn't. I don't know if that's him. I don't know if that's Taliano telling him not to do that. We're on the outside. We don't know. We can't make that judgment. But, I mean, to me, you need another body in the box a lot of the time with this team. 
because you've got wingers who do great stuff. Your build-up play is sparkling, but there's just not that cutting edge. And so why not throw Cabral in there with Piontek? Like, let's see him just bully people. I want to see Cabral run around with his chest sticking out and his arms swinging at perfect 90-degree angles, closing down like a maniac because he's a cartoon character. And I, I love the guy, but like... Let's see, let's see him work with Piontek. Let's see what happens. Let's see an extra body in there for the crosses. And that way, this whole need for wingers to score goals kind of dissipates a little bit because you've got a second striker. Mm-hmm. So that that is something I am kind of interested in. And I would like to see in these last 10 games how that shakes out. I, 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 I think that we're veiling ourselves in that way anyway. We push everybody forward. <laughs> so why not just why not just set up in that formation, which allows um, a little bit more as far as firepower to go in there? I like the opportunity of putting Torea, and again, then you have Duncan yeah. who can sit there with him in yeah. that midfield, and and again, it's now playing to our theoretical strength, uh, which is what we need to start doing a little bit more. And and you know, I I, I wonder how much because Italiano is. A, a tactical genius. I, I wonder how much of this is where he wants to go direction, but he's getting pushback from the club. This, I have no inside information on it. So don't take it that way. This is just purely specul- speculation. Um, I, I do wonder at times if, if he is getting some pushback and, and that's, you know, I, I hope it's not that um, because I, I think we need a little bit of a change because we're not scoring enough goals now. Yeah. Um, and in order for us to get points, we need to start scoring. This was this was a very, very winnable game. Yeah. Very winnable game. We we should have seen three points come from it. The fans deserve three points. The club deserved three points. But the subbing patterns, the the approach, uh, sometimes like players look great together and other times they don't. I, I, I was a little bit confused after a, a loss to Juve where I felt great. I thought the team played phenomenal against Juve. Phenomenal. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Now this, this definitely felt like a letdown. So hey, we'll, we'll see how they bounce back next week. Maybe, maybe having a full week in training, that'll fix all the, all the problems we have. And uh, Fiorentino uh, take uh, 30 points from their next 10 games. And uh, we're talking about how good the champions league looks. Who knows? This is possible. It's possible. Producer Mike, stop giving me that look. All right, uh, let's. Uh, let's, uh, let's legal, legal, legal's tapping on the door. I don't know why. Oh, <laughs> legal oh. found something wrong with that statement. Oh man, I'm just I'm just blocking it and turning the monitors off at this point. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but let's go ahead and jump into the uh, into the shout outs here that we usually do. Let's start out with the Primavera. I want to I want to call out one of your favorite guys actually here. Uh, Asana Sek uh, just scored uh, yesterday, mm-hmm. third goal in his eighth game against uh, against Hellas, and man, he just he just looks stronger and faster than everyone else out there. It's kind of funny. He reminds me. I mean, obviously, very different positions, styles of play, etc. But like, in some ways, he reminds me a little bit of Gabriele Gori when he was with the Primavera. He was just like so much bigger and stronger and that's what Asanasek looks like he looks like a he looks like an adult playing with a bunch of teenagers I think it shows that he you know he was at Pisa uh, earlier this year he only made one appearance I think he only played like 15 minutes but like 
he was training with all of these grown men in Serie B. And I think that dropping down to the Primavera, it shows that he is probably a step above that. He's he's just ridiculous. And it's it's really fun to watch him just bully these other kids. Uh, I mean, he is still just a teenager as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I think you were right. Uh, I, I don't remember when it was a couple weeks ago, last month maybe, when you when you spotlighted him. I think he might be ready for a for a step up next year to probably to City of Bay and to really really show what he's got. First, we need to purchase him. Uh, yeah, that's, or, that's or, definitely step one. <laughs> or, or, or he may be there by default. Oh, um, yeah, you know, I, I think he's he's been looking great. Everything you hear out of Florence is, is all very, very positive. And the, the positive thing for me, uh, looking at things systematically, we finally made a, a good purchase uh, on, on the Primavera side, which has been lacking for years. Um, we know that that's not Prade's, you know, MO. Uh, he, he likes the Cajones who, oh, no. you know, Pose for statues while just being a statue. Um, it fits right in. With, yeah. and, uh, well, yeah, well, anyways. Anyways, you know, I, I mean, you, know, you look at <laughs> you look at the, the productivity that Sec has versus somebody like uh, you know Mutino, and and I wonder what's going to come of him because he hasn't had that success. Um, I, I still, I, I still am a who believer. I think he's going to be a good, a good player. I think he's just maybe a year further behind than we expected. I, I and, think, I think he's still and that may be the there. case. I mean, he's, 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 you know, by by this time, the end of the season, he's going to be twenty. You know, so w- when you start thinking about it, you know, what are the options for him and, and developmentally wise? Um, you have to look at Sack. I mean. He is the player that seems to be the most likely uh, to be the next opportunity to move into Serie A at some point down the road, a couple of years. Um, but, you know, the other thing that I will do is, is just give a, a shout out. I know Aquilani goes, you know, on this on this uh, cast from, you know, great to not so great. Yeah, we, uh, we really need to figure out what we actually think about him, don't we? <laughs> uh, you know, he th- th- this past week, uh, he did something that was very nice. Um, you know, gave a nice little shout out to Europa Viola on social media. And, oh. uh, um, you know, it was a nice little video that he took time to, to put together and, oh. and thank all of those people over in Europe. Oh, supporting the completely. club and the viola clubs yeah, yeah so it was uh, it, it was good to see no doubt that that is what the uh the english call a classy touch well done on there too. yeah all right uh well let's uh let's move on to the lonies then uh i think the guy who's really stood out to me recently is uh christian kwame uh, and again we've we bigged him up in this space uh previously he's got two goals and two assists in his last five games for for underlight he's just looks really good, man. He's got mm-hmm. 11 goals, four assists on the season. Uh, he looks like he's uh, he's trusting his body again. Looks yeah. like he's got that explosiveness back that he really didn't have Confidence. in Florence. Yeah. Confidence. Looks like he's, it looks like he's having fun. He's not overthinking. He's not anxious like he was. And I, I think a lot of that, too, is just being another year removed from that knee surgery. I mean, like, I... I don't know anyone who's a professional athlete, right? But like, 
I know a lot of people who have torn ACLs and like who played, you know, college sports, high level amateur sports, semi-pro. And sometimes that does take like a year or two to really, for you to really trust that again, to know that it's not going to give out on you. And I think that's what happened with Guame. And I, I think he's, I think he's back at that point. And, uh, you know, if you don't redeem Piontek, if you decide end of the season, he's not worth it. You have a pretty decent backup striker, I think, in Kwame, just ready, waiting in the wings. Uh, I think he does a lot of stuff that Italiano would really enjoy, just looking at his, uh, looking at how he's played this year in Belgium. So, yeah, I, I, more than anything, I'm just thrilled for the guy that he's he's rediscovered yeah. that form a little bit, and he's starting to look like the player he was in Genoa. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. And, and I, I agree 100% with everything that you just said. We know, though, that uh, sports psychology is a big part of the game. Just look at, just look at Dushan and the way that he performed uh, pre-Cesare and post-Cesare. Yeah. Look at the way that he performed when Italiano came in. Uh, you know, he bought into that person. He bought into the, the, the system. My only fear is I think Kwame is going to be a very, very good, um, well-compensated uh, score goals, get a lot of assists. He's, he's going to be a very good professional. I just don't know if Florence and Fiorentina is the best environment for him based off of how the first stint in Florence went. That's the part that has me concerned. And I like Kwame. I want to see him do wonderful, great things. I don't necessarily know if, I, if, if I'm Kwame and as a Kwame fan, if I want to see him back here, um, part well, of that is for him. And, and we could probably get 12 to 15 out of him the way he's playing at this point. Oh, minimum, probably and, more. And then you can invest that into somebody who doesn't have some of that stigma uh, playing into it when he walks into the Franke of, am I going to get booed because I miss a goal the way that I was before in the past? That that's the only thing that that has me a little bit worried with Kwame, and 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 I wish him the best. I want him. To, I want to see him succeed. Yeah, I mean, I I do hope he comes back to Florence and that he he succeeds. And we have seen a few players do that uh, in recent years who we pretty much wrote off and who eventually came back and really excelled. I mean, look at uh, Bart Dragovsky, who was on the bench for two years. Look at uh, 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 Gaetano Castrovilli spent two years in Serie B. Uh, look at yeah, Alfred. But they Duncan. weren't booed. They weren't no, booed. No, no, no. Well, Alfred Duncan, who was spent last year on loan, we thought he was surplus. And as we said, we think he's one of the best midfielders on the roster now. And he's he's faced some pretty bad stuff in uh yeah. yep. in Florence. Yep. So yeah, I, I mean I hope I, I just hope that uh Nicola Misul's upstairs apartment is uh is still vacant <laughs> and that uh and that Guame is ready to move back in. And yeah. I mean I, I really do think too that I mean just that the environment there, like Kwame under Beppe with all respect. Like I still, I still respect what Beppe Yakini did in Florence. He did some good stuff. Kwame under Yakini versus Kwame under Italiano. I think those are two very different players. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. And, and, and I would love it. Um, it's just that I want to see, I just want to see Kwame succeed more than I guess I want to see him try to succeed in Florence again. And that's only for him to decide. I'm not saying he can't, Oh yeah. I'm just so, saying no. that's for, you know for him to kind of figure out and, and decide. I, no, I think that's one of the things that we've always been pretty upfront about. We want players to 
to make their own choices to to do what's best for themselves in their careers. You don't get a long earning window. Uh, yeah. In the, in that profession, like right, like maximize it unless you're you know going to go uh, be one of those Knotts County cosplayers. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, and then I yeah. guess uh, the last the last one that we usually do here is the no, uh, wait 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 one, oh. one on me one on me oh no you got one all right fire go go so, go, go, so, go so keeping keeping in the tradition of players that are getting a, a redo here oh I think Z, I know where Big we're going. Z Big Z yeah, he scored yeah, against yeah. Juve he's how can we not love this guy man. He's exactly I, what we need. I'm, I'm convinced. I'm in. Yeah, I, I'm bought in. There is a part of me that wants to see him and Yusuf Male in midfield next year and just see the diesel Elbows. fumes yes. coming out. Yeah. Elbows That's and good. shoulders. They would be the least pleasant midfield to play against, I think, in Serie A. I don't know if they would be the best, but they would be the one that other midfields are like, oh, no, these guys, oh, come on. I don't want yeah, to deal Nico with this. Nico needs them, too. Like, Nico gets beat up all the time. Yeah. Having those no, guys behind him, little Big bit of Z behind him, yeah, it's, that's what he needs. I like, no, I like Big Z. I, I really, yeah, I, I mean, we've said it before on this podcast more than once. I really think that he is going to be a top-class midfielder for a while. Boy, do I hope that's in Florence because he's really good. And I think he's great for Italiano's system too. Oh, he's a man. perfect fit. Perfect the, fit. The motor on that guy. Holy smokes. And we don't have to spend big on him either. He's I mean, you know, it's it's what? Probably uh almost eleven o'clock. Or probably, yeah, no, it's almost midnight in Italy right now. I bet you that he is still running at a dead sprint somewhere. Like the dude just never stops. Oh, pull, yeah, he's pull, great. Pulling pulling trucks like through the street with a rope or something. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> him and Igor are going to go at it uh, when they get back. I, I would watch that. I would watch an arm wrestling competition. <laughs> the only issue is that he's he's a Corvinoite, right? Yeah, so well, that, that's, that's the, the only thing that could keep him away. That's is, the fear. That's the, the fear. idiotic ego that kind of plays into one guy versus the next. But I explained how it gets done. Friday, Friday got rid of him. And then he sent his best scout in Benassi to go and scout Big Z in Empoli. And then it was Prade who found him and signed him and brought it back into uh, in a Florence. Hey, Boom. man. It's done. Hey, man. Here's hoping. Uh, I guess we... So we normally round this out by talking about uh, Fiorentina Femminile, but uh, not yeah. anyone we can big up right now because they have been so bad there. Now in the relegation places, they have gone into a retiro. Are they getting relegated, man? Is this actually going to happen? You know, the, the, the weird thing is we started off the season talking about this change uh, and, and not having players purchased. And that was the big reason for not having a very good season. However, they brought in studs. They brought in legit studs. Jacinti. Jacinti's here. And, and others. Like, it's not just her. There's a lot of really good talent on this team post Post January, there's a lot of really, really good talent on this team. So you know where I'm going to go with this. I said it last summer, and I'm staying true to it right now. They lost to a team coached uh, by who? Yep, yep. Two nothing to Sampdoria. Antonio Cincotta's Antonio Cincotta, who made yeah. the most touching, heartfelt message pregame and postgame. Thanking the fans here, but then also thanking his fans um, uh, up in up in uh, uh, Sampdoria. That that is the issue. 
the yeah. arrogance to think that you are better than one of the brightest minds, not only in Feminile, one of the brightest minds in all of soccer on that boot. Yeah, they pushed sure. him out. They pushed him out. <laughs> and now we are getting spanked for it. We yeah. are getting spanked for it. And it is so unfortunate to see it play out. But yet Chincota took a brand new team. Look where he is. He's up the table. Brand new team. Far less talent. Just a much better mind. Much better mind. And like I'm I, sorry. I'm passionate like, about this. And Ch- Chincota is he's, he's the best. No, Chincota is a – I mean, I, I think that he might be the best women's coach in the game. Yep. Uh, and I, I'm not saying this to run down Tomical. I think that she's got a chance to wind up being a really good coach at some point. She doesn't have a lot of, I mean, this is her first job uh, outside of the youth ranks. It's a whole different ball game. She's been coaching uh, it'll, like Italian national youth teams. The difference between club and national team, the difference between teenagers and grown adults. Good grown adults. Yes. Successful world, grown world adults. Class, like inner, like, senior internationals this is significant yep. right like and so yeah this is not this is not us trying to run down panico at all i think that patricia panico i mean again legendary player has every opportunity to grow into a really really good coach but the i mean i don't think she's at chincota's level right now i mean with respect to her i just don't think that's where she is and i think that seeing yeah i mean the fact that it was chincota sampdoria won that 2-0, sent Fiorentina into Retiro, into the relegation places. That does level. feel almost a little too scripted, right? Oh, man. Yeah, I just... And, and level with Napoli, and if you, if you look around the league, there are just so many former Fiorentina Feminile players that are now beating Fiorentina at their game. And they're doing and, great. And, and, and that, I keep going back to it. There is something systemically wrong. I've I've brought it up before on the feminile side. Um, I, I can share with you that there were conversations with the go women's and, and different groups and, and this that the other with the actual um, leadership of, of the Fiorentina feminile prior to January. Now they, again, they blew it out. They they did the, the leadership did a great job bringing they in did, all they the players. So much talent. So much talent. So they they answered the bell when they were seriously lagging behind before, but it still doesn't fix it. The arrogance there to push out a lot of very quality players. Um, and how many of the players that are now coming back into the league don't even want to come to Fiorentina? They're going to AC. They're going to Inter. They're going to all of the other teams, Napoli, all of the other teams, except back to where they made their bones and back to where their legends by these fans. Yeah, that, that does feel significant, man. I, I mean, I don't know exactly what's happening there. I don't think either one of us knows exactly what's happening there, but uh, looking in from the outside, it doesn't look so good. And so uh, we're, we're going to think about that for a little bit and go to break, but uh, we do have a pretty good surprise coming up for you. Uh, if you've been reading the Nation for, for a while, you might recognize this one. And if you haven't, Hang out, you'll you'll get to know him. So stay with us.
Welcome back, everyone. And we can now probably go ahead and unveil our guest for this one. We have for you today a former Viola Nation managing editor, uh, actually the guy who hired me onto the website. So this whole thing is his fault. If you're irritated, you can take it up with him. And also just released his first full-length album, the amazing Lorenzo Landini. Lorenzo, how you doing? Hey, I'm, I'm doing really well. I'm enjoying kind of a a chill Sunday, despite the uh, this slightly disappointing result. So yeah, it's going all right here in New York City. How how are you? How is everyone? Doing all right. Doing all right. Doing uh about the same relaxing Sunday, at least for the rest of the day. A little bit of a busy morning up here for me, but uh, that's all done now. Now it's all fun stuff. Yeah, fun, fun stuff. stuff. Yeah, but yeah, man. Uh, so you're actually a little, you said you were a little tired. Is that, you know, just because you put out a new album and like living that rock star life? Yeah. Uh... There's, there's, a, there's a bunch of stuff going on this week. But yes, mainly the album, which I didn't expect to be as like, uh, as like emotionally fraught uh, to release. Uh, I guess I'm, uh, I'm also a stage actor and a, a performer uh, the rest of my life, so I was kind of like, oh, I'm used to nerves, and this is just like a thing you do. But when it's something you've written and put a lot of your your heart and uh, I don't know, uh, your what you actually think about life and the world and the things that are happening to you, you want to share it with uh, strangers. It does kind of uh, rack the old nerves, uh, which <laughs> I should have even thought that when I was recording it. But um, of course, part of the backstory of the album itself is that um, I started writing songs again because uh, my mom passed uh, last summer. Um, tragic. She had cancer, brain tumor. Um, they was diagnosed in October 2020. And uh, I'd already started writing songs and then I started writing more songs. Um, and so by the time I got into the studio, it was actually like two weeks after she passed. Oh. And so I still had all of these emotions around, you know, being in the studio and getting to actually record these songs. But they were just kind of like, I, did, I didn't plan for them because there was so much already going on emotionally. And I felt like the same thing happened with the release where it was like, if I'd been more clear headed, I'd have been like, hey, you're going to have a lot of feelings about this. And instead of, uh, I'm just like, you know, typing out my lyrics into the website and trying to like get it out. I'd also had an, an eye operation the week oh, before. Yikes, so I'm like, I was healing and I'm just like squinting, trying to like go through the legalese on distribution sites. So, uh, Dang. so, so yeah, I kind of like, I was just running through it. And now I, then I got to the end and I was like, oh, that was hard. Dude, you've, uh, <laughs> but good. you've been a little bit busy since you moved on from VN, it sounds like. But yeah, a lot going yeah, on. I, I, hey. I went to Granite, so that was the inciting incident for me, uh, stepping back from the blog, which I love doing. Um, and I love the community out there. And then I went to a place where I was going to be doing 16 hours a day um, acting, you know, class, and then to rehearsal. Uh, and then I had to hour commute each way because I was living at home at the time. Um, in fact, one, what was it? My final semester, I had one Friday where I went from class to understudy rehearsal to dress rehearsal to a cast bonfire. And I drove home in about a mile away from my house. I fell asleep at the wheel and uh, I, I was fine, amazingly, but I towed the car, um, which was kind of a good wake up call. Um, that was actually like probably like almost to the day, like five years ago, 
which is wild. Yikes, wow. man. <laughs> getting too much of my personal backstory. Interesting. <laughs> I know. And then I moved back to New York and I did the acting hustle and I'm still doing the acting hustle, but uh, I, this is a really new, exciting part of my artistry is, is getting back to songwriting, which is what I thought I was moving to New York to do. And then all the first people I met who did this stuff were assholes and all the feet people were nice. <laughs> so I took back to class. It's funny how that life. works. <laughs> asshole asshole right? musicians. Really is, <laughs> no. Uh, who would have decided? <laughs> you, you know, it's one of those things where I don't know how many of us can can relate to this, except for another individual that we interview, which was uh, Amalia, who's a uh, an actress herself, who's who's made it pretty big uh, on the on the big screen there. Um, oh, yeah. But you know, talking about another passion of yours, which is you know getting back into to Fiorentina, you're 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 the OG of Viola Nation, and I'm sure that there's other stories behind how you got everything built out and how it became as big as it is right now with a lot of those followers who have been following Viola Nation for just many, many years. And that goes back to you. So how, how did that start out and, and how did it get so big? Yeah, that's an excellent question. I'm trying to remember how exactly I got looped in from the beginning because I've known um, Kirsten and uh, uh, who used to work for SB Nation and used to be the Serie A boss for so long that I don't remember how we met. I think we met on Twitter. I think she was looking for people to write for the blog on Twitter. And I, I will also qualify. I am not the OG of the blog itself. The blog has a long tapestry that predates me that I'm sure people in the comments are going to tell you all about. But I do I do take credit for the Twitter uh, because then I, I seized that and I think it had like 40 followers and it was just like posting the links. And then I went on there and, uh, you know, just started posting a bunch of uh really really stupid reaction memes and stuff like that during games and then people people like that so they started following and it became a nice little dialogue on there as well which exists to this day through you all which is is great and now i get to be on the other side of it which is fun and i get to just kind of yell into the void but in a, in a nice <laughs> way of productive. nice void yelling i like that yeah it's the kindest void i know <laughs> so I, I gotta ask too i, I feel like it's you know, it's been so long since we actually like got to talk when we were like uh like doing the the SB Nation Slack and all. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, like I I don't even remember now. Like, who is your favorite player of all time for Fiorentina? If you're gonna pick, oh, your eyes just got really wide. Like I did something bad. Oh man. No, no, it's good. no, no, it's not bad. It's good. I mean, I I have to say to Costa. I don't, I don't. That's like the instinctive one. You know, that's one of the players that I made me fall in love with the game, both on TV and at the stadium. The few times I got to go, I got, I got to see him when I was a kid. You know, that was the, I was at the, uh, the was it four nothing or four one when we beat Milan in like two thousand. It was one of you know it was yeah, the, yeah. the Fatih Tanim, uh Fiorentina. It was a big, big win. Um, like right before basically everything. <clears throat> hit the fan and every every yeah. sold. Bati was already gone. I loved Bati Stutha. I loved Antonioni through my dad, who I was lucky enough to interview, yeah, which was that, cool. That was our, I think that was Vied's first brush with the club in any official capacity, actually. Oh yeah. I think so, yeah. Cool. So that's still that's still yours. It, it was a while. It was a COVID channel, so it wasn't like you know Fiorentina sanctioned. Um, but uh I mean and now he has, you know, kind of a 
contentious relationship with the club, I would say. Nice, nice um, word. Seems, well, seems that way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, I think Rui, and I, I, he's one of those players where I, even when he was at Milan, I was like, still had affection for him. You know, I knew he didn't want to go there. And, you know, then in his last World Cup with Portugal, I was like, come on, man, do something special still. And he was, you know, he'd come on as a sub and he'd, his socks would already be down to his <laughs> ankles. <laughs> he'd been playing all game. Uh, but yeah. just a fantastic play. Yeah, that's not a bad answer. But yeah, you got to. Is it that uh, that win over Milan for your favorite moment, or would you go? Uh, no, I mean the favorite moment in my lifetime is the 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 Quattradue, the yes. and that was such a that was really one of those few, unfortunately, few moments in, in recent history where I really believed we were going to like win something. Where that that team, that group, felt really special, and then that. Butcher from Livorno uh, blew his knee out, and he was never the same again. <laughs> and now season went down the toilet. You know, Milan got 15 million penalties down the stretch, and you know it went very predictably Fiorentina style. But that that day, that win, I was like, this this team could act. So that was the combination. You know, the come from behind, beating that Juve team, making Conte cry, all that stuff was great. But it, it felt like it was not in isolation. Whereas like some other, you know, like the three nothing against Juve what was it, a couple years ago yeah. in, in Turin, came out of nowhere, it felt unattached to anything. Like the team was still going to fight relegation. Whereas that moment I was like, that was, yeah. I mean, I feel like for everyone who's our generation, which I'm going to vaguely include all of us here in, without getting too much into people's ages, I feel like that's really got to be, uh, got to be what it is, right? Like that was, just, that was just the coolest game I think I've ever seen. Um, I, I remember I was, I think I just got out of college. I remember that um, I was living in like with like three other roommates and I terrified everyone. Um, and the, and the night before I'd even worn like a Fiorentina scarf, so I was walking home from work and I got like accosted by a man going to the subway who knew what that was. <laughs> and was like drunkenly yelling positive things at me. So I think that's, that is a good omen. Um, there was just kind of like a whole lot of weird stuff in my life, like around that game that made that heightened it, I think, too. Uh, Man, we, cool. we need to track that guy down again and have him yell more positive right? things at him. Clearly, no. This is cause and effect. We understand how these work around here. In his <clears throat> broken English, which is funny because I told him I spoke Italian, he, he told me, you think are better than something, which I still don't I, it, he was saying it like it was a positive thing, not like he was trying to like say, I think I'm snooty or something, but it, it, I can't figure out what he actually <laughs> The fact that you're still trying to figure it out, though, that tells us all we need to know. I mean, he's a, he was clearly a poet yeah. of some yeah. kind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love it. All right. So, so now, now let's get rid of the, the easy things, you know, the past and the fandom <sighs> side. Uh, and let's see if we can ask you to take that hat off a of fan and go back to the days of when you were writing blogging back on the site. And how about let's critique, give us your thoughts on this year's team. What are you thinking? Um, you know, I think this is a, actually a really good day to start really doing that assessment because it's kind of like on, on the one hand, uh, I, I tend to take the long view. Is the, the, this is how I've maintained some of my sanity as a fan, right? 
kind of looking down towards the horizon. But uh, on the long view, we've spent a couple years in the basement with dreadful teams who don't even like at, at the least, like even if we're going to lose games, like I want us to play well, right? And and we just haven't. Uh, so at least we have a team that plays well, that knows what they're doing, plays a modern style. We're in the top. We're in, unless some, you know, we really, you know, stink for the next two months. We're we're going to finish top half. So that looks great. And you you take in new coach, still integrating. It's not his roster. And he's going to hopefully be here for a couple of years. Um, selling your best player in January sucks. So like that's a mark against the season. But at the same time, we're, we still look all right. You know, I, I think that the the team is working and it's gelling and, and we need to do stuff to like solidify and build upon that. But I'm more optimistic than, than I've been in a long time. And I, I do really like Italiano. I think he gets the Piazza in a nice way. I think he's a good fit for the fans um he understands maybe that the ownership isn't great but he's focused on his job and what the players can do um yeah no i i'm uh i, I just to see like right now i'd say like we're we're at a solid b plus i think if we kept vlaovic and we're really gonna punch for even like a fourth place finish then we'd be looking at an a but i don't think that's gonna happen now but yeah Hey, there's still like 10 games, 11 yeah. games. It's got, got that game time. in hand, too. Got that game in hand against Duke Mesa, too. Yeah. So that could. <laughs> it should, it should be a three points. Do we know what's happening with that? It's just like this kind of like mysterious, like. I'm, I mean, we've, we've been joking around that it's uh, it's going to be rescheduled to kick off approximately 45 minutes before the second leg of the Copa. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd imagine that. Was it, Fiorentina's not here, so they have to yeah, forfeit no. now. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes sense. Uh, uh, yeah, I think I think if we had, uh, I I would also probably maybe be saying like a minus if we had even taken a zero zero from that Copa game because that it's just that's not even that's really like whose fault it's just but it's just like a yeah sucker. Okay? Yeah, if the Suck. league was consistent, we would have three points. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll leave it there. We should get, that, but yeah, well, yeah. Wow. So I hate I mean, to press I, you here. I hate to press you, but when I am going to press you. Press me. B plus. But what does that equate to in the table? And for the big question, all the fans want to know: Do we qualify for Europe? Hmm. Uh, I say yes. Uh, I think we grab sixth, but I say that just because I am. I don't believe in Fiorentina, but I do believe in Mourinho. (laughs) 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 He's got a couple more games to take Roma down. So I think, I think I'm worried about, you know, Lazio a little bit, but I think we can snag sixth if, uh, if Roma collapses, which I kind of feel like they will. It's inevitable. They've got some talented players, but it's just that Mourinho effect right now is just really unstoppable. It's bound to kick in at some point this year, right? Like that's. It it already had. I thought they were already on the way. They kind of bounced back. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's got 10 games left. Seems like the perfect time for one of his games to collapse. He's just gonna really like. He's gonna pick a fight with Tammy Abraham or something. Yeah. And really, then all the English players are gonna be like, "Screw this guy!" Yeah, like, go light the. We also we could also still go to a Coppa Italia final and have a shot at Europe that way too. This is so true, I, yeah. I feel like the two options. Are you calling it a win? It's, it's a tough. Are you predicting a win now? Oh, in, uh, in the, is that what I hear? Is that what I hear? Oh man! Uh, you want to hear the? 
the the brutally honest one to, to <laughs> reference Mike from earlier. Uh, br- brutal honesty. I think we uh, I think we score, uh, and that's and it and, and but it ends one one. We don't get the second goal. I mean, it's it's kind of tough to predict that one too because it's like three months away or something because that's the best way to schedule oh, yeah, a home no, and away yeah. is with eight weeks yeah. between them so like who knows right ah. yeah it is really weird the way the way they do that now or maybe they just took a look at uh juve's injury <laughs> roster and oh juve yeah. needs an extra couple of weeks in between okay I mean, let's schedule it that way it would be uncharitable of us to uh yeah. draw those kinds of conclusions i think yeah. But, yeah. We never like to cast aspersions. Oh god, no. <laughs> we cast all kinds of things, but not aspersions. Uh, but yeah, so so I I like what you said about Italiano getting the piazza. That uh, the big round of applause he gave the fans after the Atalanta game, I think showed that he's he's starting to build that rapport up. I don't know. Does this uh? Do you feel like this is about what you expected out of it in the uh, in year one for Italiano? Oh no, this is better than expected. I think for sure, and I and I think some of the the credit goes to. Causal, which I'm, I'm, I like that. How what they're calling Blahovich on Twitter? They call him Causal. It's a thing in Italian because um, they don't want to say his name because it's yeah. just it pisses everyone off. Um, <laughs> which the people on on Paramount or on CBS, whatever, misunderstood what that's about. It's not that we like fear saying his name. It just pisses us off uh, to bring up the whole subject again, which I just did. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think. I didn't think that he was going to keep scoring at this rate. So the fact that he continued to, you know, that, that really lifted us and that was unexpected. I expected us to fight, to fight for above mid table and to show some nice stuff, but to be fragile. I think the the squad has problems and some of the pieces that have fit in this year, um, like Nico Gonzalez, like Luis Torreira, uh, like we're seeing from Rodrigo Sola, have uh, uh, surpassed my expectations in terms of their contribution. Um, so yeah, I think I, I still feel like we're we're ahead of where we thought. I mean, coming from a relegation zone thing, um, especially with the failed signings we've had, like Amrabat and stuff like that. Like, it's hard for a team to recover from that and build talent and clear talent out, which we still. I think that's the main thing we need to do this summer. Well, is if, if you want to call right. Sasha Coker in talent, then we can we can agree on right, that for right, sure. Right. And <laughs> <laughs> we've been doing it for the past three years. That was the priority every summer. You know, He's still there, yeah. right? Like he's every window is like, well, now we're gonna say goodbye to Eric Kulga. And he's still at the trading facility, you know. It's like, what are we uh, doing? Kayahone has been there for a couple of years, he's been used this the whole time. So we need to still do that. What do they call it? Yeah. Change up the roster yeah. still. So kind of schedule on that front for sure. No, I'm- hopefully they listen to Italiano. Mm. that's the big worry that, yeah <laughs> right yeah i would he's gonna show up in august at training camp and be like i asked for these three players and they're like here you go four or five players you did not want <laughs> and, and kelly Owens renewed yeah and seven more on the roster <laughs> you didn't like the first time around hey. he's gonna retire he already is retired in florence likely have you seen him play <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. Uh, well, you know, we could, we should probably uh, end our slander of the elderly here a little bit <laughs> before this gets real unpleasant and the uh, the AARP comes down on us. Uh, yeah, let's let's get back to the album, man. So, like, I, I know that uh, you know, like, obviously, a lot of stuff 
going on around around the making of it but like i mean i i, I think to me it sounds kind of like partway between like elliot smith and the replacements i guess oh dude that's such a huge yeah, actually, i mean no those way. are both <laughs> musicians i like a lot so like i'm down yeah uh and yeah if, for everyone who hasn't listened uh get on look for a, the amazing lorenzo landini we'll repeat it and link it in the uh, episode description and all but give it a listen. It's yeah, it's all the things. It sounds least good, not surprisingly, on Spotify. So if you want to get a good sense of the sound quality, I think Bandcamp, Apple Plus, or Apple Music, or whatever, and uh, titles the way to go. Uh, yeah, it's funny you said the re- replacements. Um, and, well, and Ellie Smith, but I'll take a look at the replacement just because we really tried to bring like a really uh, punk rock ethos into how we recorded it, right? We wanted to leave the mistakes in. We wanted to be kind of playing with uh, passion over perfection. We, uh, um, you know, enjoyed lots of redacted. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and we had a really good time. But, but all of all 11 tracks, we the, the guitar and me singing, we tracked in one take. So those aren't necessarily only take, but um, what we added the other instruments in post or some in the studio as well. But there was no piecing together takes. It was just like, all right, Dang. you know, take three or four cracks at the song. Um, and, and we set it up. So, um, essentially we, we, you couldn't, uh, isolate my voice or just the guitar in the recording, right? Yeah. Everything had bleed and some room sound because we really wanted to sound like it's, you're in that room with, uh, with me, with us, um, which, uh, I, yeah, it's, that's what I, when I say it's kind of folk punk, it's, it's not, let's less about like what punk sounds like and more about our ethos in, in how we wanted to do it because, um, because it's very freeing and it makes it feel, I think, more real. I hate that word. More uh, raw, yeah, more vulnerable. The, the raw is the word that came up for me the first time I've, I've been listening to it. I probably listened through it like three times this weekend. Uh, not only because you were coming on the podcast and I didn't want to sound like an idiot talking about this album that I hadn't listened to, but also because I, I genuinely think it's pretty damn good. Uh, Thanks, yeah, no, but I, I, I feel like, yeah, that rawness really does show up and it does feel like very, yeah, like very much like you are, you're almost like a part of it as a listener, like you're in the room, like listening to people play the instruments around yeah, you, which is, that's exactly yeah, which is yeah, pretty damn cool. So, yeah, I mean, how, how long did it take to record that? Was that, was it just like two weeks in studio or something, right? Oh, no. <laughs> again because we were tracking i did i think i tracked um eight songs the first day jeez man. um just my um and what's tricky about it is because also uh i guess if we if we had recorded it all in that one studio it probably would have been two weeks but what we did was we did uh two and a half days i want to say in the studio with just me uh, the sound engineer and the producer, uh, my buddy Scott, um, up, up in Burlington, Vermont. And we added the mandolin and the electric guitar parts there, but then drums, bass, um, other flourishes, The my friend Christina on the clarinet, my Irene on the cello, these were all done in post, like, like months afterwards, essentially. Oh. We take the takes, we got a kind of a working version of them. And then we started, I started collaborating with these other musicians in New York and was like, you know, my buddy Alexander does the drums on the, on the record. 
And I was like, you want to lay down some drums? You got a weekend free and lay down some drums? So we, we added these kind of piecemeal, um, which was always my idea at the time because I liked the idea of um, uh, starting from I Love You and ending with I Love My Friends, which are the starting and ending tracks. And um, throughout the album, essentially most, almost all the tracks, if they have another instrument on it, it's just one other instrument. Right, so it becomes just a collaboration with that one other artist, and then I love my friends has all of the instruments on it, uh, which is a fun culmination. So it, I don't know something about this kind of like adding and subtracting and playing with just one simple texture really appealed to me. Okay, yeah, I, uh, I was kind of noticing that because it starts out very spare in the first what three maybe three four tracks, yeah. and then it and then we yeah. get the drums and the fourth track. Yeah. It felt like a different way of telling a story because I, I like narratives, but I don't I don't find myself as a writer um, particularly drawn to them. I tend to try to like paint uh, an emotion or a feeling or a moment um, with a lot of different things that are kind of surrounding the thing. Whereas, but I can tell a sonic story, right? I can tell what I'm trying to do, I guess, is kind of innocence to experience kind of feeling. So the accumulation and the... Uh, expansion of those in, uh, uh, sounds and textures i think it, it kind of just emotionally feels like you've been on a journey and that's what i'm hoping yeah. happens to the listener no, very much not yeah i feel like that really comes across like that i think yeah the whole the whole way that that uh comes through and like yeah adding different things i was wondering if that was intentional or if that was like just kind of how it shook out the way you want him to be ordered so that no that's cool man yeah, and it's tricky because essentially I'd written almost a whole album of very simple songs during the first couple months of the pandemic uh, before my mom got sick. And then with mom getting sick, I kept writing these songs and I was like, what do I do? I got two albums, they're so different. <laughs> right? And so it actually became very important to me to figure out how the sequencing, how it, how the journey grouped. And that's, I, I started reading um, Great Expectations of All Things uh, by Charles Dickens. Uh, and I read a lot this of is, that to the longer This is definitely becoming a Viola Nation production now that we're going into uh, oh, in yeah? the literature here. Yeah, no, this is, this is right okay, now cool. wheelhouse, excellent. No, no. So yeah, there's just something about, um, it's this book that I, I've started several times and never finished, even though I've always enjoyed it. And this, this really terrible like journey from like, I'm a kid and I'm in love with this girl and I've have all this, all this opportunity and wealth and unpacking how complicated and, and difficult the world is and how your choices do have consequences. Right. And, and all that, um, also just, you know, kind of this surrounding uh, struggle of uh, capitalism unchecked, right? And uh, felt felt very uh, in the moment. So th that helped give me kind of a sense of the shape. And that's why I ended up pulling some quotes directly from that, that book uh, for a couple of the songs uh, in or out of those songs to kind of, again, try to... Uh, play up the emotional journey for lack of a better phrase and 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 by design i'm just sitting back here letting you guys talk about the music uh as somebody who has as children four children that range from 14 down to two you know my, my oh. music at this point is uh <laughs> ranging from you know the the taylor swift 10 minute version of all too well uh by the way damn you jake gyllenhaal give her back her her, her scarf uh, all the way down to, you know, the the soundtracks of, of Luca and Encanto these days. So 
<laughs> my, my, my music days uh, are, are a little bit removed. However, you know, back when I did listen to music, I, I remember one of the coolest things was always <laughs> just getting, always just getting to see that person that you wanted to live in some of those smaller venues and, and getting to see a couple shows. What is that looking like for you? Are, are you having any touring plans and where can people see it? If they're coming in, if you're coming into yeah, the town. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, well, I, I'm based in New York, obviously. So um, I already have a couple of things lined up. The, the, the most, when's this coming out, actually? I should not. 2023. <laughs> 2023. <laughs> then I'm, then I'm, I'm playing the, I was going to say the Hard Rock Hotel and I almost threw up in my mouth. <laughs> 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 I'm, I'm, I'm in the Bowery Ballroom, and uh, no, uh, so I'm I'm doing an album release show at the Center for Fiction uh, next Friday, uh, the day after St. Patty's Day, Ooh, and get all the hungover nice. folks. But no, it's gonna be really fun. It's gonna be a free show. Um, the Center for Fiction felt like a good fit for my literary brain, and uh, and it allows us to do like for free, right? Which is cool. I have a bunch of people come out. Um, I'm hoping this summer, I'm still in the process of arranging this. Um, I'm hoping to do a little mini tour on the East coast. So we're going to do, uh, Philly, Burlington, uh, a couple dates in New York, DC, hopefully Boston. I don't really know where I would go in Boston, but you know, I'm i I'm a solo act. So it's, it's pretty simple to, to get me around. I just need people to show up, uh, and we'll have a good time. I'm also um, maybe going to do a date in Berkeley if anyone's out there. Um, that would probably be end of July and August. Um, so still in coordination phase. I have family in San Diego, so that's going to be an easy trip at some point. Um, so this is all still being coordinated. A lot's going to have to do with how well the album does. You know, if I've got a bunch of people listening to it in Chicago, I have friends in Chicago, I'll go play a set there. I just don't want to go play a set and have no one show up. <laughs> so, so. So, so you're saying uh, definitely doing a, a show at Bar Marisa at some time in the yeah. uh, next time you're over, right? Hey man, you want to, you, you know, have any uh, hooks in, Se in the Seattle scene? I'll, I'll, I'll come hang out. It'll be fun. Uh, I'm, I'm way out of the scene now, man. I No, this is... Library school doesn't isn't plugged yeah, in. Yeah, weirdest thing they don't they're not real into the uh, into the concerts in the libraries these days. He's so full of it. Every every time every time he comes on here, he's popping another beer from some other place. He's hooked into everything in Seattle. Uh, but yeah, no, there's there's uh, uh, definitely some some moving and grooving going on with that. So I'm I'm excited about that. I love playing live shows. In fact, this this started as. Uh, I mean, it started in a lot of different ways, but I, I, the fact that I, I, when the stages were shut, I got to come back to something that was like part of my roots as a performer. It was like the first thing I, I did before I acted was I get on stage with a guitar and, and sing songs and, um, and something about that live connection is just something that is beautiful and I love doing it. So definitely going to do it as, as much as I can. And what's cool about my tunes is I really do feel like they, I, I'll play a coffee shop, no problem, or and I'll play a rock club, no problem. You know, it's kind of, uh, there's a nice flexibility to it. Um, and eventually, yeah, hopefully when I get back to the studio, we'll start, you know, having kind of a, a slightly bigger outfit to tour around. But I, I want to always be able to just do the, you know, just me and the guitar. I'll, uh, 
like John Darnell does has a great blend of this. And I, I'm so mad that he's able to have the career. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> because he really just, so when he wants to tour on his own, he does. And when he wants to bring bass and drums and some other instruments, he does. And then sometimes he writes a book. And I'm like, man, how do you make that work? Yeah. After also being hooked on like the hardest drugs known to man for five years. Was really interesting well, guy. So yeah, trying to do that thing. So if anyone knows how to do that thing, give, give me a ring. Um, for, for the record, we are not endorsing the hooked on the hardest drugs for five years path on this podcast, mm. uh, necessarily speaking. Uh, legal legal is uh, knocking on the door and showing me a, a note pushed up to the, to the <laughs> studio glass here. Uh, all right. Well, I think I think that's probably a wrap for us. Uh, he's New York mm -hmm. City's only solo emo folk rock act, probably. 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 I, I'm, if, if there's another one out there who's listening to this, please drop me a line. I don't mean to be stealing the <laughs> The amazing Lorenzo Landini, folks. You can find him on all the social media, the amazing Lorenzo Landini.bandcamp.com. Drop by, talk music, talk Fiorentina with him. He's the most yep. delightful person in the world, as you probably realized. Lorenzo, man, thanks so much for coming on. It was really great having you here. It was genuinely my delight. Thank you, guys. What's up, Yola? Let's uh, let's hope we have a strong finish to the season. And yeah, I want to hear all the thoughts about the tunes when you get to check it out. I appreciate it. Viola Station is hosted by Mike and Tito. Producer Mike produced this episode. Our theme song is Great Catch by Windchime Weather. Check them out at windchimeweather.bandcamp.com. Viola Station is the podcast from violanation.com. Viola Nation is part of the SB Nation Network. Forza Viola. Sports Social Podcast Network.